Ep 4, we're on. Welcome back. This episode we discuss, I'm sitting down with my dad again, we discuss a bit of his history, how he grew up coming from an immigrant family and what it was like to grow up in the Hills area of Sydney and the different types of jobs he's had and what's led him to do what he's doing now. We also discuss his return. He was on episode one. We discuss his return of his Europe trip and how it, uh, how it all went down and how he enjoyed it. I know it was, it was another one that was meant to come out this week, but I've had to delay the other one. We've had some problems. I've had to delay the other one about the psychedelic drugs. Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. I really enjoyed sitting down with my old man. And yeah, I think it was a good one. Thank you. Okay, we're back with Tony Fury, the dad of the family. <laughs> <laughs> the matriarch of the family. Is that what you call him? The matriarch. Or is, or is that the, yeah, that's call mom? Bullshit, the matriarch of the family. <laughs> I don't even know what matriarch means. Do I? It sounded good. <laughs> you just seem to hear it on those uh, Game of Thrones type movies. Oh, is it? <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, and you're back from your, uh, your five-week stint. It was five, wasn't it? Yeah, it was on six, yes. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Before we get into that, before we get into the the trip, let's talk a bit about you. Me? Where'd you grow up? I actually was born and bred in Castle Hill, and then we moved to uh, Kellyville many, many years ago, uh, and born and bred there, and fortunately enough and luckily enough, I was able to move back into it. But before we did that, I suppose you can call, we had a few... um, Moves, we lived on acreage probably all our adult life, my adult life anyway. Uh, you pretty well lived on acreage until you were a teenager. Uh, we moved out to Oakville, which was pretty good. Um, yeah, on acreage. So your whole 63 years, 65 years, how old are you? 65. Your whole 65 years. You Does that really have to go on there? You went from... <laughs> You you sound no older than 64. Right, okay. (laughs) So the 65 years, you actually not moved more than 10 10 kilometre radius. You always lived in a 10 kilometre radius. Uh, No, I've lived probably 15 years at Irmington with Maria. But other than that, no, I've moved back, yeah. You always seem to, everybody seems to want to move back to their... Roots, I suppose, are where they were born, within the area they were born at some stage of their life. Do you feel when you when you were driving around Kellyville or whatever, even though it's changed so much? I'm still a local. Yeah, of course you're still a local. All these other people that have moved in the Kellyville imports. Just blow-ins. Yeah. But do you, do you feel like it's part of your childhood still? Do you, feel, mm-hmm. do you go down some streets and go like, oh, yeah, I remember riding my bicycle down that street? No, no, not at all, because you don't even recognise the streets with the amount of houses that are on there now. When you're going up the street, we used to write, we used to push bleak carts down Pool Road, and up to the other side there used to be a creek down the bottom. Me and my brother, um, we used to get old prams and make bleak carts and push them all the way down the road because it was a big hill, and you could you used to go down the hill, cross Hazlitt Road, um, and then across the creek to see who could get up the furthest up the other side. Did you you fell off and hit your head a few times, didn't you? No, not at all, oh. not at all. <laughs> I'm my dad, I was the Billy Cart champion. <laughs> well, you had competitions. Well, you used to have competition to see who could get up the, hill, the next hill the furthest. Oh, really? Yeah. 
And what a, what a Nuno used to say about this. I, could, I couldn't imagine him. Well, this has to be up on a Sunday afternoon because we were working right up until Sunday lunchtime. Working kids. Yeah. You weren't working kids, mate. When you go and load up a truck of shit, chicken manure on a Sunday, and you know that Sunday afternoon's coming and you've got the rest of the day off. What do you think of the kids of today? I think they're just more educated. Um, I think they're in better stead. You've got to remember, we, we come from a first-generation Italian family. Yeah. You know, they come out to this country when they, you know, well, my dad was, well, your nonna was 20. You know, you've got to hand it to them. They come out with nothing, absolutely nothing. Sure. All, they, all they come out with was a bloody suitcase. Didn't know how to talk the language. That's what I mean. So, like, they've come out with nothing and they've made an empire. You know, through hard work and whatever else, yeah, they have made it hard. You know, like, I just, as you know, I just come back from Europe and it was many a time that I'd think to myself, I can talk, I can read, I can even actually talk Italian as well. And I thought to myself, you know what, how could I cover out a living for me and my family here? It, was, it must have been mind-boggling for them to come from war-torn Italy, you know, um, to come to Australia and, um, you know, you had to get work, get married, raise a family. Sure. But, I mean, there's immigrant families doing it now as well. Yeah, I know, I understand, but you've got to understand. It, it puts a different pers- perspective on people, I think, when you go overseas and you come back and you have a look at your heritage and and they couldn't talk English. Yeah. I mean, today you say there's other immigrants doing it, but they've got a lot of welfare that get them on their feet. Indeed. They've got job starts, they're getting money coming in. These guys got nothing. Indeed. You know, or they got off the ship and had a job. Yep. Yep. Mm. And a lot of them now can speak English when they come into A hundred percent. So so getting back to the question, what what do you think what do you think of the kids of this generation? Do you think they're just a, you say educated, but do you think they just haven't seen they haven't seen their parents, right, go through like you saw your parents go through working on the farm every day, working hard, getting their hands dirty. They're making a living. But kids today, they're not really seeing that same grind or that oh. same, you know, get out there and just, oh, it doesn't matter, we have to do it. No, you know what the difference is? We had to help because that's the way we, we were just brought up to help. You, you had to help the family. But the thing is that I tried to give my kids what I never got and I think that is too much. I think you, you have a look at the kids today. They've got everything. You know, you want a push bike? Yeah, you get a push bike for Christmas. You want a... a, a, a you want a billy cart? We'll get you a billy cart, not yeah. make one out of prams. Yeah, we'll get you a billy cart. Well, yeah, we'll make a decent billy cart, you know? I, I think it's my general... My, my, every generation that comes along is going to have it a lot easier than the last generation for the simple thing that the kids of today, which will be fathers of tomorrow, and they'll have their own children... They will be better set because I think they're better educated. They've got better jobs. They're getting married later. Um, you know, we had to get – well, we didn't have to get married, but at the end of the day, 21, 22, 23, shit, if you weren't married by that kind of age, 25, you're old. Um, you know, we, we thought about marriage, mortgage, kids. But today the average age, I've, I think I read somewhere that – the average age of a woman is about 33, 34, and the average age is for a bloke is 35, 36. So really they're, they're, they're getting set into their own, um, building their own career, so to speak. Like you go down Manly, 
uh, and you have a look, you know, they're pretty old people pushing prams, you know, they're 40s, sure. 45s, and, and you're pushing prams and you think, you oh, Jesus, you know, when, when I was 45, I had a 25-year-old. Yeah, you know? absolutely. You know, so I, I, I don't think that the kids of today are lazy. I think the kids of today have been brought up with everything that they really want. And nobody wants to start at the bottom of the ladder. They all want to start at the top of the ladder. Um, you, used to, you used to get apprenticeships. You had to start at the bottom of the ladder. But today they want to start at the top of the ladder because they think they know it. Yeah, yeah. And that comes through textbooks and everything like that because and, – and you know what? 90% of the time the family's helping them. It's not as though they're not being helped. They're really being helped. They get into school, I suppose. I mean, even you – have a look. When you used to go to school, it was either me or your mum. It was more your mum helping you with your your homework, you know. But she was they were educated here. But who was helping me with my homework? Nobody, because they didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And remember, you know, half the people that come out, they could read Italian. There's no way in the world they could read Australian. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's a lot more. We we had to do it a lot harder, I think, because everything that we did. We had to be a lot more streetwise, I suppose you would have to call it, than what it is today. Today's, you know what, kids of today are so bored that they have to turn to drugs. Drugs have always been around, but I think there's more, drugs is more prevalent prevalent today than what it was in my society, in my age group. And do you think it just comes from boredom? Yeah, I think it's just come boredom and peer pressure. And peer pressure? Yeah. <clears throat> and ex- ex- accessibility to it too. I mean, like yeah, hundred percent. Uh, Look, I can only talk from people like from myself that grew up in you would call that Kellyville thirty years ago country, I suppose. Or was that country? There wasn't a population of what it is today. Was it um, <clears throat> predominantly immigrant families in Kellyville? Yes, all of them. Everybody was. So we, that, we uh, when to- you say predominantly, everybody that lived on acreage was all either Italians or, or, or large percentage of them Maltese. The people that lived in Kellyville Village uh, that worked offices, factories, whatever you wanted to call them, they were predominantly Australian. But the village was only a very small village at that time. I mean, it's been small up until now. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah, so you all would have been in the same boat then. Sorry? You, you, everyone would have been in the same boat in the area. You went, to no, school, 100%. you went to school with the same situation. 100%. Everybody that we went to school. In actual fact, you know what they used to call Kellyville? Smellysville, line up here. Oh, really? Yeah. I'd like to grab them teachers well, now and see if they think it's Smellysville. Oh, the teachers are saying it. I yeah. thought, oh, Jesus, they, that wouldn't fly these days. I'll <laughs> 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 be up in arms there. The kids that live at Smellysville. Affair. Because the thing is that we were all on farms <laughs> and we had to spread the chicken machine, you know? Just move that mic a bit away from I think we're popping a little bit. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I used to call it Smellysville. Yeah, that is that is funny. Mm-hmm. But um but like you're sixty five and you're still working six days a week. Yeah. Do you think that comes from seeing no 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 working right up until basically well, let's just say, basically until they passed away, didn't they? Weren't they? I mean, they sold the land and they had a block of land and they were farming that little eight that little block of land. Look, I think, yeah, I, I remember when I was 35, 40, and I'd say to myself, you know what, maybe a bit younger than that, maybe when I was 30, 35, I'd really like to be retired by 40. Um, 
you know what, I think if, if you've been moving all your life and working all your life, I, I, I think, you know, I listen to a lot of people and they say to me, oh, 65, I'm going to retire, I'm going to retire, you know, I'm going to retire. But, and I sold real estate there for a while and my dad was very successful at it. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 and I used to see it all the time. You know, people would sell their houses in Sydney. They would go down the coast and they retire, and they wouldn't do anything. And I, and that's why there's a lot of houses for sale on the south coast and the north coast because people retire at the age of sixty five. They've been holidaying, whether it be down in Ulladulla or up in Batemans Bay or. Um, up on the north coast, that's where they used to go for their holidays. Mm. And what happens is they, they, they pick themselves a, a spot in the scene and they, that's where they see themselves with a pair of sunglasses. That's where they see themselves. And I've spoken to these people and they think, oh, you know what, we thought retirement would be this, this, this and this. But the thing is that if I join a, a lawn bowling club, I have to get up in the morning, I have to go to lawn bowls, because I'm in a team, and if I don't do that, then that becomes unfair on the others. So that becomes a job. I've got a mate that's got a boat. He wants to go fishing. If I don't want to go fishing, I've let him down. So that becomes a job. If I've got to, you know, you go play golf with a mate or a couple of links or join the golf club, I've got to go because I'm letting the team down. So that becomes a job. Anything that you've got to do to get up and say, this is where I've got to go, is actually a job. You may not think of it. You can't play golf 365 days a year. You can't go fishing 365 days a year. People must end up having a hobby. And unfortunately, people like me, that have my hobby is my work. I love going to work and I love doing what I do. Um, I know it's strange as it sounds. It keeps my mind active. I socialise with other people. I talk with other people. I learn new things on a daily basis. Um, I'm still climbing ladders. I'm still doing. I'm still doing what I'm do today. When I was at the age of forty, probably even do it better today. And I think that people, and I've got some friends that I see, that they've retired. They've been retired for twelve months. They're frozen up. They're like old people. They they walk like old people. They talk it, like it, old people. It, 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 it is the way you do see that happen a lot. Once you stop moving, you once stop. you stop moving, you, you, you seize up. You stop. But people that are retired that don't do nothing. It's too... Th- I, I, I might just go back a little bit and I'll tell you about a friend of mine. He's, uh, he was Maltese. His name was Alex. Alex um, worked in the uh, telecommunication industry by putting... Uh, he used to dig underground lines in. But he was a Maltese and if he could see a bit of cash, he'd jump on it. A lot of the farmers used to say to him... Alex, is there any chance you can run a line down, down to me dam? You cut the telegraph poles, run a line down to me dam, not a problem. It was 100% cash. Yeah. He got caught. Yep. He got the sack. Yep. Right? How long ago was this? How long were we talking? This was 30 years ago. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, it was okay. a long time ago. No, was... I thought you were talking a couple of years ago. No, no, it was 30 years ago. Right. Now, Alex had five acres in uh, Quakers Hill. Right. So the guy was a very, very, very wealthy man. Okay. Okay. Now, what did he do? What did Alex do? Alex dropped out for 12 months. And I, I hadn't seen him for such a long time because he used to do a bit of contract work for him. I says, Alex, what happened to you? He goes, Tone. He says, mate, 
because I was pretty well off, I got money in the bank, I really didn't need to, do, to go to work. He says, mate, I got that lazy that I didn't want to get up in the morning to wipe my own ass. He says, mate, I'll never forget them words. He says, I just, it just clicked one morning. If I don't get up and start moving, I'm going to die. Mm. So, and I always remember him. The more you move, the longer you're going to live, the more people you speak to, the more you're going to learn. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. That's very true. I work with a guy that was 75 years old. Yeah. I think he was about 75 years old. And he said the same thing. As soon as I stop moving, that's yeah. the end of me. Yeah. He retired now. He retired not so, not so long ago. Can I just add? Just but, add. He, but he walked. But you know what he does? He gets the – he lives up at Edelong. He comes down. He gets the bus up to Monovale, the B-line, and he'll walk from Monovale to Sydney, to the city. Exactly. And he goes, I have to do this. Otherwise, if I don't do it, I'm going to die. You know what it is, Anthony? I had – we're living at Irmington across the road. The lady was 98 years old, right? And um, I can't remember her name. She used to tell me, she used to take great, great pride in telling me that she had her own teeth at 98. She still had her own teeth and she still looked after herself and she still cooked for herself. How many teeth did she have? All of them. All of them. <laughs> 98. She used to show me her chompers and go, <laughs> But I used to have a bit of a yarn to her on a Sunday morning and she'd say, because I'd see her a couple of times walking to Ermington Chops. And I'd say, oh, you're going down to the shops again. She goes, you know what, I go down to the shops three, four times a day. I on purposely forget to get stuff, so it forces me to go back down to the shops. Really? It forces me to go down to the shops. She still used to catch the bus uh, at Irmington bus stop and go to uh, Ride Eastwood uh, RSL Club or Leagues Club, I'm not sure what it was, and play bingo. But she used to get off the bus at West Ride Bus. And she could tell me that she had to walk up 144 stairs across the top of the platform and then down another 144 stairs. That's what she had to walk. And, and she'd do that in reverse in the afternoon. And at 98, she was still doing it. <clears throat> at 98, she was still doing it. Where I just want to um, interject on what I was saying earlier when you are saying you're still working at 65. To me, it is a form of being forced to move. Because if you find that people hurt their finger or they hurt their arm, they favour the other leg if they hurt their leg so they don't have to walk on it. But when you're working on a building site, there is no favouring. You have to work through your pain. And I think by working through your pain, whether it's be arthritis or whatever the case is, I think that's what puts your head and instead. So what? how, how long do you think you'll work to it? Oh, if the tax man doesn't get me, probably to a hundred. <laughs> Bastards. The, uh, okay, let's not get into the tax situation right now. Let's not get into that. <clears throat> if there's any, when you look back on your sixty-five years, your working life, you've had a successful landscaping business and everything. Is there anything you wish you had have done? Like when you look back and you just go, "I wish I had have explored this," or "I wish I had have explored that," or did you, are you pretty? happy with how it's all turned i mean i'm, I'm sure you're happy how, how it's turned out but i mean like what was there any like a crossroads where you where you were like oh i could go down this path or not like like the real like for example the real estate like do you wonder do you ever wonder if i had have kept on selling real estate because like you said you're very good at it where would i be now or 
or you don't even think about that stuff? No, I don't even think about it. Look, when I got out of real estate, I worked with Forge, um, Forge Real Estate. I'd still believe some of, some of their offices are still about. But I was actually approached by um, a bloke. Oh, I can't remember his name, but they owned um, a real estate agent. I just can't remember what they were. Oh, country, town and country. That's what they were called. Um, his wife's name was Dallas. I can't remember what his name was, but they approached me in Sydney and says, we want to start up a Sydney office and we want you to be a partner. Um, and I said, yeah, yeah, not a problem. But I had got out of uh, landscaping by this time and I did forge real estate because 1983, the times become very, very hard. There was hardly any ever, hardly ever work around. So, 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 so you were in landscaping for how many years? We started landscaping about 1978. And then you did it for five years, six years, and then you went? Well, the, the recession hit, and, and you, couldn't work, you couldn't get jobs. It was okay. just in the building trade, it was, there was no work, no work whatsoever. Okay. But I, um, I had a bit of land down in Blacktown. It was three acres, which I was able to put on 33 three-bedroom townhouses. It was already DA'd. And you owned the land? I owned the land. Okay. And I didn't know how to develop it. Right. And because uh, the building trade was very, very poor, I decided to uh, go work with a real estate agent to learn how to develop this block of land. Okay. Um, I figured, well... Best if, way to learn, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was the best way to learn. It was pretty good. I ended up working with um, a lot of developers that were doing a lot of developments uh, within the, on the south coast. Uh, so I learned how to sell and I learned how to uh, develop and the whole lot. Uh, that's where I learned, and that was primarily the reason that I got into real estate. Um, but real estate is n- it, it's, it's not a fun game, believe me. You have to work hard to make sales. You know, look, you're going to get easy sales, but the thing is everybody says, oh, you have a day off. On that day off, what you do is you chase your leads because if you don't chase your leads, especially I was working in a recession time, which is 83, um, if you don't chase them leads that have been created, then you may not get a sale. So you have to try and work every lead that you possibly can to get a sale. Um, so I was pretty successful. I was pretty good at doing that. Back then without the internet, without everything. Could have been there was no internet. There was no nothing. It, the whole different like – you, yeah, you were was, on the phone constantly. Yeah, Forge Real Estate used to take out full-page ads every Wednesday or Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay. Uh, they'd ring up. Uh, they'd make appointments, and then we, as salesmen, would chase them appointments. Okay. Yeah. And then I was um, asked to um, join um, uh, Town and Country Real Estate. We had an office in Parramatta, uh, but I still miss the outdoors. I, you know, like I used to say to my brother, to Rob, I used to say, mate, you wouldn't be dead for quids. And we had a few blokes working for us, and, look, the work was hard, but... Nothing beats being out in the. Um, so out. how long were you in real estate? Sorry, to interject. How long were you in real estate? I wasn't before, in real before you went back to landscaping. Only about two years. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't. And then, and then the game started picking up. Building. Started yeah, picking yeah, up, yeah. So and then we end up selling. Um, Did you get those that block? No, no. Like, we end up selling it. It was Meriton Apartments or whatever. Come and bought it. Yeah, they come okay. and bought it. But we didn't make a lot of money. We actually made probably a loss because it was still very, very young times. Uh, the recession was just starting to get back on its feet. You know, you've got to pay a mortgage on it. I had to get rid of it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So what would you say to kids now 
about starting their lives out and the working world? Would you be like, just try everything you can? Like you, you, you went you, to, I you, don't, were, you, were, you were in real estate, you were in landscaping, and these things just come off the top of your head kind of thing. Like, how did you get into landscaping? How did we get into landscaping? I really don't know. It was just something that... Well, you guys, you know, you I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll, t- I'll tell you how we got into landscaping. I'll tell you how we got into landscaping. Uh, in 1978, we bought uh, our first home out at Marion. Yep. And Remember it well? You remember it course, well? yeah. Yeah. The park yeah. out the back? Yeah, the park out there. Yeah, well, it wasn't a park. It was a schoolyard at the side. Was it? <laughs> it wasn't a park. I remember that, that steel slippery dip, and every time I went on it, it was scorching hot. I can't remember the slippery dip. Where did rem- that come from? I don't know how I remember this steel, this big steel slippery dip, and I remember every time I burnt my ass on it. Oh, I don't remember. So the, the, getting back to what you said, um, how did we get into it? We're looking. Rob, Rob, my partner. He um, he worked in uh, the state library. He was a librarian, and I worked in the Australian Taxation Department. And we, our lives had become monotonous. I suppose we were looking stagnant. Yeah, we're looking for something else. And then what happened was, um, I had to order turf, and I ordered it directly from the turf farm. And I laid it myself, and I thought, Jesus, this is not too bad, is it? And then from there on, um, I looked into it a little bit further, so did Rob, and we started off with, we actually used his car uh, to tow our little tractor around that we had, and we put an ad in the paper, and it just grew from there. And one day, it was raining, and what I did was... Um, so you were I, just doing turf at first? I was just doing turf. Yeah. One day, what happened was I just picked up the Yellow Pages yeah. um, and went through every builder that was in the Yellow Pages, ringing them up and saying, you know, like, there were new boys on the block, we've got turf, blah, blah, we can look after you. And at that time, um, Eddie Long from Long Industry Homes, his uh, construction manager rang us and says, you know what, we're actually looking for blokes like you. Uh, and that's where they got our break. Really? Yeah. I, know, I didn't know that story. Yeah, yeah, that's how we got our break. And I've got to be honest with you, Eddie Long and uh, Norm, though, his brother, uh, they were very, very nice people, very nice. They used to come out on site. They talked to you like you were a person. They were really, really good gentlemen. They were gentlemen. Really? They were gentlemen. And then it just went on from there. We, did, so you quit your jobs and then? Yeah, we quit our jobs and then we went into that and we are laying turf. Or we were, I think we employed, I think we had about three trucks or four trucks um, and about six or seven people working for us at that stage. Yeah, right. And then from there we just moved into... Um, uh, oh, that's when the licences become, you had to have a licence and from there we um, we went and done a brick lane course, uh, me and Rob, at um, uh, Castle Hill Tech actually, there on the corner of Victoria Road and yeah, we got our licences, our structural landscape licences and from there we got into st- structural landscaping, no plans, we weren't really into plans, we don't understand plans, but we got into structural landscapes. Yeah, plants or plans? Plants. Okay. Oh, we used to read plans. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. Yeah, we used to read plans. And we worked very closely with um, engineers as well. Um, they'd actually ring us up and ask our opinion on what would be the best to build a retaining wall. Half of Castle Hill is built on our retaining walls. Yeah. And then from there it went from um, doing all the exhibition homes for long industry homes, who then bought, bought out uh, AVG Jennings, and then um, we were doing... Um, it went on from there. It just went on. We did, you know, we yeah. did Clarendon Homes, uh, 
yeah, maybe 10 or 15 other builders that we were doing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so you've learned something today, have you? I have learned something. Yeah. I have learned something today. I have, I have. Yeah. And, and all this time, so let's segue into your trip now. Are well, we going into the trip now? Well, I mean, like, I felt like I've learnt a little bit about my, my old man here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Steady on the old. <laughs> okay, like I said before, of how long do you think you're going to work for? Is it 100? Uh, you know what? When God tells me I can't work no more, you can't. I can't. But you see, the two things, it relies on two things. It's either God tells me I can't work or the tax man that tells me I can't work. Because the thing is, on, in this country, I've got to be in my bonnet at the moment because the tax man just does not want to see anybody get ahead. If you get ahead, all they want to do is say tax, tax, tax. Do you feel at the moment, I was talking to someone today about this, it just feels like, like I don't know if it's just Sydney, but it just feels like everything is so expensive and wages just aren't moving. No, wages haven't moved for a long time. They're stagnant. That's why the uh, percentage of the interest is going down so that hopefully they can... Uh, Build build the market, but it's just not to, moving. To the but the thing is that the tax department wants everybody's dollar. We have got the potential in this country of every one of us of being self-funded retirees. We have got that possibility. The tax man doesn't want you to have any more than one house one ch- one house, one car, and 2.5 children because anything above that has got to be taxed. You buy a holiday house, it's an investment. You don't you sell it in five years, they want capital gains tax. They want this, they want that. They don't give anybody the incentive of saying, listen, they want, um, you know, if you've got two houses and you become a self-retired We'll, we'll look after you. Don't worry about that. But they don't want to look after you. All they want to do is tax, 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 tax. It's funny that you say now we're walking back into the trip. I was talking to a bloke in Athens, actually. No, Mykonos, to a shopkeeper. He actually lived 16 years in Australia. He goes, look, Australia is a beautiful, beautiful country. Beautiful. But he says it's a very unfair country. And I said, why would it be unfair? He says, I, I, I live there. He says, everything that you've got, they want. You buy another house. He says, that's okay. Everybody's got to pay taxes, and I understand that everybody's got to pay taxes. But the thing is, as soon as you move on and you want to better yourself by saying, okay, I'll buy another investment property, even though I've got to pay this mortgage, I will forego and sacrifice a little bit more and buy another one. Okay. Automatically, your pension is gone. In Greece, I can own 10 houses and not get capital gains tax. Mm. and I can still get the pension. I can still work, and I can still get the pension. He, he, says, he, he says, look, in Australia, you work and work and work. If you build up a capital, you can't get the pension because you become a self-funded retiree. In Greece, it doesn't matter. You can be a multimillionaire or you can be a pauper on the street. As soon as you turn of age, you get your pension. What do you think of that? I think it's a bloody good idea. I think everybody's fair. I can't listen. Look, he, I, I can see, I can see, I can see his point of view because I can see someone like saying, "Well, I've paid taxes. I've paid more taxes than anyone all my life." Yes, 
Yeah, and then but, I can see other people's opinion saying, well, you got all this. Why do you need more? It's a bit, it comes into the green category. You, you know, give me, uh, let me give you a reference there. This guy is working. He's actually got a uh, – his wife's got a clothes shop. This guy's working. So he's actually paying taxes, right, mm-hmm. on his income. He's mm-hmm. got five or six rental properties. Mm-hmm. He's actually paying in, uh, tax on that income. So he's putting back into society – of what he's probably taking out. What he's putting back and he's getting back as a pension, it'd be 100% different. He would not be getting all his money back that he's put into it. So that dollar okay, is yeah. that dollar right. is going around. Right. He's working. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's working, so he's paying taxes. His rental houses, he's paying taxes. So the government's not missing out anywhere. But he's missing out on the pension. No, he's, well, no, he's, he's, he's getting, getting the pension. That's what he's saying. He says, he it, everybody's happy. Out. I'm happy paying taxes. I'm but, happy getting the pension. But do you know what? <coughs> but he's saying that. It's also a reason why Greece... It was broke. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, yeah, yeah, let's just pause this. I don't need to say back with time. Oh, shit. Okay. All right, we're back on. We're back on? You're back from your piss. Oh, you didn't have to tell everybody I went for a toilet break. <laughs> Well, you're 65. Yeah, you're, you're yeah, it was that cup of tea that you made, you forced me to have. <laughs> All right. Okay. So let's, 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 get into the, let's get into the trip. Let's get into the nitty-gritty of the trip. So you, you're off for six weeks. You're back. How do you feel? How, 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 how does this... Uh, I, how does it feel? How does it feel to be back? I mean, like, I get a bit... I don't want to talk about myself, but when I get back from a trip, for the first week, I'm happy to be back. I'm like... I love Australia so much, so I'm just like, oh, this is good to be back. And then after after the, 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 the week or two that I'm back, maybe three weeks, maybe a month, I'm missing, like, that feeling of the road, of just, like, going from one town to another, sightseeing, relaxing, talking to travellers, seeing different cultures. I start getting, like, itchy to go again. I know exactly what you're talking about, Dave. Um, I, I was great. It was fantastic. Look... We went away for six weeks. It was time for us to come home. Uh, okay. I've seen a lot of amazing things that, you know, probably half the world has already seen. It's taken me 60-odd years to see it. Um, like I said, I've seen some amazing things. But what I saw is that Australia is still the best country in the world. We've got the beautiful beaches, even though the water's over there. And you've got to remember, everything looks better when you're on holidays. Everything looks better when you're on holidays. The culture over there is a lot different, um, and I think that's why we that's why we travel and go overseas to look at a bit of the culture, look at a bit of the history, and all that. Australia is relatively, when you compare it, is a pretty pretty new country, but I think we still got the best country in the world here. Uh, six weeks, yeah. Me and Maria said it's time for us to come home. Have I missed Europe at this stage? No, no, I haven't missed it. You know, I, I, I come back after two or three days, I was back into work. I didn't miss it. I, I don't miss Europe, no. You know, I saw some amazing things like, you know, we, we flew into Dubai. Uh, You've got to remember, I've never been outside Australia. I've seen, seen a few cities in Australia, but never been outside. You've been outside Australia, you went to America, you've been to Asia, you've been, <sighs> you've been, you've been a feature, you've been, you have been outside <laughs> yeah, Australia, but, that's a lie. But historically, historically... We're going to see the oldest countries in the world, you know, the oldest cities in the world, you know. Um, 
go and see, yeah, see the whole the, oh, the, oh, the oldest countries in the world. You know, we went to, to Dubai. That's just like another world. Dubai is just. You, you know what Dubai reminded me of? Las Vegas. Everything's bigger and better. And, and you and can, in the desert as well. And it's in the middle of the desert. I was actually love the um the sheik over there. I think he's done a fantastic job. For anybody to get a piece of desert, and I mean desert, yeah. and turn it into what he's turned it into, um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. But I did read a little bit of his autobiography. Not much. Oh, this is interesting. Yeah, I did read, but that was it. That was his vision. His vision, and he told the people um, that, you know what, when we run out of oil, what are we going to do for money? So his vision was to put Dubai or Abu Dhabi on the map as a tourist part, as a tourist um, go-to. And, and he's achieved that, that right? 100%. Is that right? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. And they're, and they're, they're not running out of oil anytime soon, are they? Look. I'm not saying that they're running out of oil. It's just what I read. His vision was that when we run out of oil, was yep. for generations onwards, what are we going to do? Yep. And he he said, I will turn Dubai into a tourist destination. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what he's done. You go there, everything's bigger and better. You can smell the money. You can smell the money. You need to read that. No, not really. So, um... What was your favourite part? Well, let's not start with that. You right? No. <laughs> you right, eh? Would you like to come on the weekend? <laughs> People are crazy, seriously. They expect you to work 24-7 to suit them. It's not my problem. He he wants the repair. I don't want the repair done. <laughs> While you say that, do you want to advertise your business? <laughs> <laughs> but people are just, just, you know, they think their job's more important than anybody else's. I'm not the one that rang up and said, I need a repair done at my house. <laughs> what? He's just asking if you can go on the weekend. Oh, I'm more than happy to go on it, but it's double time on a, 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 on a Saturday. So, you know, what? Min- minimum is four hours at double time. I'll, I'll go. <laughs> so, uh, so you, 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 you. So where are we? You've lost my concentration now. About Dubai, how oh, yeah. how, how I saw, yeah, and how I was telling you about uh, oh, the sheik, the yeah, sheik, yeah. 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 Um, a lot of people in the street don't like the sheik Why? because he's actually the king, and he's also the president, and whatever he says goes. Oh, I mean, that's a lot of countries, isn't yeah. It? But that, that, and that's what they say. But other than that, he's just brought the country forward. Yeah, uh, and, and you know what? He looks after the local people there too. If you're born there. Right. Yep. Uh, I believe this is what I heard that if you're born there, they actually give you housing, free housing, free housing. Really? Yes. Yes. I don't know whether that's the truth. Uh, are there? Okay. This is. I've ne- I've only been to the airport there, no. so I, I'm very ignorant to what it's like there. Yeah. But is is it just a city of apartments, or is there like suburbs of houses? Uh, is it, there is no houses, not that I could see, and we travelled around extensively. What I could see is there is a lot of uh, townhouses okay. in complexes. And, yes, you're right, there is a lot of unit, a unit dwelling. But the I think for us we find that a little bit strange. But if you look around 
a S- Sydney and Adelaide, which I just come back from Adelaide, and you have a look around the cities, I now understand why people want to live in units. I never could understand that. With so much land, I couldn't understand. But as our infrastructure gets better, we will live closer to public transport, closer to railway lines, and that is the same as in Dubai um, and in Europe. And Europe, they've been doing that for centuries. They've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. I might tell you a little bit of, a little story about uh, why there is so many um, units and they're only up to two or three storeys high. Would you like to know why? In Dubai? No, no, in Italy. Please, enlighten us. You know, what it was was they used to build small blocks and it used to be high. You like two, three storeys? Yeah. Why they used to do that is just because that was their fortress and they could protect their families. That's why it was like that. Back in the day? Yes. And then, but that stopped. When? Yeah, that has stopped, but it's still the unit dwelling. When you landed, when you landed in Rome, you first landed in Rome. You went from Dubai to Rome, didn't you? No, oh, we you went, to Dubai to England. We went to England. Okay, yeah. don't worry. About, let's not worry about England. I liked England. What don't you want to worry about England for? Because England's not much of a culture change from here. I feel. Well, but, but, that's but, quite wrong because we, you know, we went and saw the, the changing of the guards. Um, we had proper high tea. Um, That's all right, but you get proper high tea here. No, 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 no. High tea was invented over there. What would you say? It was actually invented in China. But the thing is that, no. England, look, England had its own beauty, I suppose, if you want to talk Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. It has its own charm. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, charm was the word I was looking but, for. But, I mean, like, when you land in Rome, there's a culture change in your face. Immediately. That's what I mean. England you, you, is not. You in, don't even have to get out, get off the aeroplane and it's a culture change. That's how. So when you <laughs> arrived in Rome, did you feel, how did you feel? Were you like, you know what? Here, here we go. No, not really, because the thing is that I felt, I was actually quite comfortable in Rome uh, and, and through Europe, especially Italy, because I, I, I was able, my natural Italian language that I had been talking at home for centuries and well, centuries, okay. for years and years and years, actually kicked in. It was just like, yeah, it was part of me. It just kicked in. So there was no um, um, language barriers at all, at all. Okay. So, you know, as soon as we got off the aeroplane, I went, you know, I did a bit of research, but I went to the taxis and do you want to charge me this? And I said, yeah, but hang on a sec, within the Roman walls, in Italian, mind you, in the, within the Roman walls, you can only charge me this much. Yeah. You know, and then they says, oh, but you have to share. And I said, well, that's not the case. Yeah. The case is I'm booking you as a taxi, you have to take me within the Roman surrounds for this kind of money. Yeah. And, and you got it? And I did get it, Yes. But I can understand how, if you didn't talk Italian, yeah. how they could do that. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I could, I could understand that. When you're walking around, there's a lot of old, old, you know, uh, relics there. Uh, like, for example, the Colosseum. How did you feel when you saw these, these, these ancient pieces of, I guess, <laughs> I guess art you'd call them? Before we got to the Colosseum, we did that on the return when we went back to Rome. I've got to be honest with you, I've seen, I wasn't, a lot of people say, well, how could you not be? 
That's just your opinion. We don't care about what other people we, think. Yeah, we, look, Rome is beautiful. I, I, I loved Rome. I thought Rome was fantastic. It's, it's a vibrant city. The people are full of charm. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. And you're right. You've got all these old cobblestone roads. Uh, you can actually see the gladiators, you know, riding down on their chariots of some of these streets and that. They've got little winding streets where you can get lost in. But the charm, you know, you go to the uh, the Fountain of Trevi with a million other people, it's just that charm and that culture. You can actually feel uh, the uh, the ancient history of it. You can actually feel it. Uh, but we went to um, um, the Sistine Chapel, um, we, we did all that St Peter's yep. uh, Cathedral, uh, St Peter's Square, sure. uh, you know where the Pope was, you know tell, tells his ceremonies and all that. I, I wasn't after look when I was first there and I saw the Sistine Chapel and all that. Yeah, I was very very impressed. Okay, very impressed. Um, but after we started travelling and going to other parts of Europe. I really don't believe that I missed if I had if I hadn't have seen it I do believe that I would have missed a lot but I think there's better church and better art and all that in these other other churches within around the place yep um yep and I've seen that many ruins and that many churches to last me you a lifetime you don't want to walk into another one no how no. is the cruise Fantastic. You know, when you told me you were originally going on a cruise, I thought, this guy is going to go crazy on a cruise. So for me to hear that you really love the cruise, I'm really chuffed. Really? Why Why would you say that? I don't know. I didn't know. I just you. I did not think a cruise would have been your thing. You know what? I think everybody, when you say you're going on a cruise, um, everybody thinks of P&O, P&O cruises. Sorry about your phone. No, no. Everybody thinks of P&O cruises and all. It was nothing like that. The, the cruise was like it had 3,000 people on the cruise. and you and It's like a floating city. It, it is a floating city. It's 3,000 people yep. and 1,000 uh, employees. Yep. And you know what? You would never see more than a couple of hundred, even at breakfast time. Yep. We sailed. We, we got on. It was such a breeze. They got it so organised. That it's unbelievable. You know, you, you you land in the port, you take your uh, your baggage with you, and that's the last. You, the next, you know, you leave them there. The porter comes and gets them. The next time you see them, they're actually in your room. In your room. Yep. yep. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, they give you a little bit of a brief, uh, uh, and there's something happening every day. Like this thing had like four nightclubs, ten bars. Uh, you know, a theatre that could fit two, two and a half thousand people in it. There was a show there every night. Yeah, um, f- yeah like I said, about ten restaurants. What was uh, the average age? Uh, uh, oh, look, you know what? The average age went from about six to to my age. So there wasn't many kids, so but the average age would have probably been about forty-five, fifty. Fifty-five. No, 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 no. A lot, of, a lot, a lot of Europeans. Don't forget, it was a Mediterranean cruise. It wasn't a a P and O go budget cruise. <laughs> I could, I could imagine. I could imagine it wasn't a budget cruise in, when you're taking it. No, no, it wasn't a budget. No, look, 
And the thing is that you you could do as much as you want or as little as you want. Uh, me and Maria, we never went to bed before 12 o'clock. Wow. We used to go. Party animals. <laughs> there wasn't no so much party. We used to, look, what happens is every day you wake up and, you, and, and you've docked in a new in a new city. You look around the city, come back on the boat, yeah. Yeah, you, you've docked. And you've got all day, you've got 10 to 12 hours in that city. Yeah. And, and you've got to be back on the boat depending on time. You know, five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock. Yeah, you got to be back on the boat. You must be back on the boat. Yeah, and then what happens is you get back on the boat at seven o'clock. You go and have a shower. Then you go and have dinner. Um, you go and have dinner, and then there's two shows. There's a show at seven thirty, uh, and there's a show at nine thirty. So you go and see the show at nine thirty. Uh, we used to try and make the nine thirty show. So you got two hours there. So that gives you eleven thirty, and then you go back to another bar where they might have karaoke or they might have a a, a band playing. Um, they had a Johnny Cash uh, tribute, uh, that sort of stuff. Yeah, so it was good. It was good. And then you go to bed at you know go to bed eleven thirty, twelve o'clock. You wake up the next morning in a different port, and you're in a different city. Did and then so the next place was Greece. What did you think of Greece on a whole, as a whole? I loved it. I loved Greece. Um, was it your favourite country of the trip? What was your favourite? You know country? what? Let's let's pull it right up there. I haven't got a favourite. I liked them all equally. Yeah, all of them equally. There was no favourite. But each city, I did take away a little bit of something. You know, Dubai gave me something. Yeah. Uh, London gave me something. Yeah. Um, and Greece, uh, Greece took a, because I've been in the building trade. Yeah. The architecture really intrigues me. Yeah. And I can't understand that Greece is probably one of the driest continents that we have got. Yeah. And the way they actually design their houses to capture every drop of water is mind-boggling. They've got desalination plants. They've got no water restrictions over there. And I have to think back, what the hell are we doing here? Yeah. Uh, you know, I have to. Yeah. And then you go to Rome and you see the water coming up out of the ground, what the, what the Romans built with aqueducts. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, it is. It's, Absolutely. It, it, you, you think a, a young country like ours could have learned something? A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> get, okay, uh, we've touched you want, on... You want to turn the light on? You want, you want the light on? Yeah, it's getting a bit dark. Only ugly people sit in the dark. Well, that's why you're in the dark. Yeah, that's so why you're in the dark. The other one. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that'll do. That'll do. Yeah. All right. So we've we've so we've ta- we've we've talked about the countries. Well, we haven't because then you haven't. Oh, you haven't asked. We can't talk about everybody. Well, I did all. We you know, we did the Leaning Tower yeah. of Pizza. We did Florence. We did the Amalfi Coast. Yeah, we can't talk yeah. about everybody city that- you went to. <laughs> we can't talk about every city you went to, can we? Well, then we went down to Sicily. Yeah, I've got to be honest. The motherland. So the motherland. Where, where well, the family from? Yeah. Well, I've got to be honest what with you. What did you think of Sicily? Well, let's go to Liberty first. That's oh. where Maria comes from. All right. We can't talk about every city you went to. <laughs> loved it. Loved it. You know, Liberty is island living. If you had to live island living. Could you live over there? Yeah, easy. Really? Yeah, in, in Liberty I could. Okay. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we went on this little boat in Liberty. Yeah. And it, it was no bigger than the minnow, you know, from McCall's. Uh, it was not McCall. What's that? Um, <laughs> 
Hogan's Ship- Heroes. I don't no, know. the <laughs> Shipwreck one. Gilligan's Island. Yeah, Gilligan's Island. It was probably the same size as that, you know, 20 people on it. And when, when Maria went and booked it, you know, the lady really painted a pretty picture, but I didn't think Maria understood it fully because I understand I understood at that time better Italian than what Maria did. But she caught on towards the end. Another couple of weeks she'd be talking better than me. And the lady did say, we're going over here and, then you, you know, the, the boat stops and you all jump and you all go and have a little swim, then you move on to the next sightseeing and you jump off and you have a little swim. So we, we, we got on this little minnow. You know, Maria goes, geez, it's a little boat. And I said, well, you did see a picture of it. Mm-hmm. So we got on this little boat and off we went. And the, the guy, the captain was Giuseppe, young, nice young bloke, talking Italian. Uh, I made a lot of friends because a lot of people, when I started talking Italian, sort of looked at me kind of going, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, like you don't look Italian but you're talking yeah. Italian, you know. Yeah. So probably about 15 minutes into the trip, the boat just stops in the middle of the ocean. Just sure. stops. Yeah. And this Giuseppe, the captain, goes, tutta l'acqua, yeah. which means everybody in the sea. Sure. So everybody's jumping off the boat, off the back of the boat, the top of the boat, the side of the boat. Everybody's jumping off, including me. Yeah. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Right? But Maria wouldn't, wouldn't jump. It was her and another lady. They wouldn't go in the water. They didn't even get their feet wet. Sure. So they all jump back on the boat. And it happens. And it took us to some really nice spots into caves where you would have never, ever seen this unless you did this boat trip. Yeah, they're good. Um, you, you know, when we got there, we, it was actually at the St. Bato, Bartolo Festival, yeah. uh, which is their patron saint. Yeah. Uh, that's a funny thing. It's their patron saint. And we actually followed the saint from um, the every, port. Every town has their own saint, don't yeah. they, basically? Yeah, yeah well, it's, yeah. It's, kind of. Yeah. yeah. But we followed him from there all the way up to um, to where they <coughs> rested him in the church. <coughs> you know, we threw, we threw a $20 donation in, you know, and lit, lit all the candles for, you know, all the people that we know that have pa- passed away and that. It was a fantastic... The fireworks were, were fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. I had a problem with, you know, I'd ask Maria, St. Bartolo, St. Bartolo, everybody's St. Bartolo, you know, I'm going, but what's he the patron of? You know, nobody could answer me that. You know, there was people that followed him barefoot on the cobblestones. Yeah. And every time I asked a person, what's he represent? Yeah. Nobody could tell me. Did you Google it? I did Google it. I found it very, very frustrating that here they are, you know, a saint. They're worshiping this saint. Maybe, maybe you weren't actually asking him what he what it meant. I was. I was. Ask, I was actually asking him. You know what? To become a saint, you have to create some sort of miracle, or you have to do something. Yeah. And nobody could answer me this. So I googled it, and you know, when I started talking to people, I, I'd say to them, "Do you know he was from Asian background? He was actually hated in his own country." So what they did was the emperor from China yeah. got him murdered, right? They don't know whether he was beheaded, uh, skinned alive or whatever. Right. And they put him in an iron cask right? and they threw him in, out to sea. Okay. And what happened was he, he showed up on the shores of Lipudi. Dead. Well, he was in an iron cask. He should have never floated. Yeah. And so it must have been a miracle that in an iron cask yeah. that he's actually shown up on the... Okay, the shores. On the shores, exactly. 
So then they started, and then the, the fishermen, it was Saint Nathan, it was Nathan, Saint Nathan, they used to pray to him. Yeah. You know, make us safe, make us safe. And they used to come in, and then there was a, a, a gigantic earthquake. But in the town that Saint Bartolo was, it never got destroyed. So that was his miracle. But no earthquake came? Well, there was an earthquake, but it missed all the lava and that missed the town and saved the town. And they... Uh, so, and, so and, he, and, and they attribute that to him. Exactly. So what they say is... I don't understand that. So what they say... <laughs> no, no. What they say, he, the Saint Bartolo is a protector. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he's a protector of famine. Uh, he's a protector of the... Um, there's another... I can't remember the word now. But he actually is a protector of that island. He actually protects that island. What a load of garbage. That's their belief. <laughs> That's their belief, and 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 believe me, they've built him uh, like 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 a castle, like the church sits on the highest part of the hill. And is he buried in the church, or is he mummified? What is mummified? Is he... I, I don't know where he is, but he's mummified, I suppose, because he was in an iron cast. Don't forget. Yeah, yeah. but the miracle, of, the miracle of in itself was that he was in an iron cask. He yeah. should have never floated. We should have never been taken from China pull, to there. Pull it closer to you if you want. No, no, you should never, never. But then from there we actually, it was very exciting. It was, I enjoyed that. And then from there we went to Sicily. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I like Sicily. Yeah. I, yeah, I really liked it. We went to... Um, did you feel like, did you feel like a connection to it because your, your parents were from there? No, not really. Look, we went to, uh, I found where mum and dad had met at the um, Fundana de, de Chotto Skitch. Um, we found that and then we went to, um, we went to Francavilla by bus and we went there. And then it was funny because I went into the council chambers and find out where my auntie lived and what street. And they says, well, look, we're not really 100% sure, but go across the next door and go and see the policeman. So I went and saw the policeman and he goes, look, he says, there was a lot of periods and a lot of coming, a lot of gone and all that. But he says, go down towards uh, Via Cappuccino, which is beside, if you remember, and you were there, which was beside the um, the church. Yeah. So we kept on walking and walking. I said to Maria on the way down, I said, Maria, I said, we've got to look up for this um, St. Pantini, because that's where my auntie lives. As we're walking past, I said to um, Maria, I said, look at this, you're not going to believe this. She lives right here. So I'm taking pictures, you know, happy snaps. I was quite happy to see with where she lived and all that. I was taking happy snaps and all that. All of a sudden, this old lady comes out. I did, I, because she'd been here a couple of years ago, I didn't recognise her. But she recognised Maria. Yeah. As soon as she saw Maria, she goes, Maria. You know, and then I come around like I was on the corner, and she goes, you're Tony. Wow. Yeah, she goes, you're Tony. Like, we weren't expecting it at all, but the hospitality that we were there for a couple of hours was absolutely next to none. Wow. And she, she, yeah, that must, have been, that must have felt great. Yeah, it did. It did. It did. And then, but the trouble is we missed our bus. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, well, we walked all to Francavilla. Francavilla, I was talking to a couple of locals, 20 years ago it was a very, very bubbling town. Dad... I do not believe that because Alan oh. was there 15 years ago. He goes, it was dead bloody quiet. I'm only telling you what the locals <laughs> told me. I'm only telling you what the locals told could, me. Okay, in your mind, could you imagine that a bubbling town? I can't. Maybe was, 30 was, years ago, yeah. I was there 10 years ago. Maybe 30 <laughs> not, years ago. It was probably bubbling then. Well, no, it wasn't bubbling. But you have a look. A lot of, there's a lot of houses for sale. 
A lot of people have would moved out. Would you buy? Would you buy a house there? No. <laughs> but I've got no fascination. But if I were to live anywhere, I probably would buy a house there because it'd be very cheap. Yeah. And, and well, see, see, when you say you were there ten years ago, yeah. now we lived in Geraldine Nixon, uh, Jardini Nixos. Yeah. Um, but we found from there the transport was absolutely unbelievable. Oh, it was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But we didn't go there from there. We, oh, did we? No, we went there from Syracuse. From Syracuse. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, right. So. I'm pretty sure, yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not been to Syracuse, but they tell me I should go to have a look at Syracuse. So would you go back to Sicily? Yes. You would go back to Sicily? Yes. Yeah, right. Where I would go back to now if I had to go... I wouldn't do any more of Italy. I think I've done enough Rome. Well, you just lo- said to go back to Sicily. No, no, no. Sorry, main town, main mainland. Okay. Um, you can look. I've got a lot of friends that been to Rome. They've been to Rome seven, eight, nine times. Fantastic. But I think if four or five days, you've seen what you want to see. Sure. We were kind of lucky because we were doing bus tours from the port. Sure. So not only did we see the city. We actually saw the hillsides. Yep. So we actually had travelled inland yep. to see all that sort of stuff. I'd probably go back to – if I had to go back and I had a place to go back to, I'd go back to Lipudi. Okay. And then if I uh, – yeah, I'd probably go maybe somewhere else of um, Sicily. Yeah. But the reason I would do that is so then we can catch a ferry across to Calabria. It's uh, only a 20-minute ferry ride from yeah, there to Calabria. It's yeah. bugger all. It's nothing. No, I've done it, yeah. Yeah. The reason there's no bridge, the only reason there's no bridge across there is because the ma- they're scared of the mafia getting hold of the contract and the bridge being, co- like, pretty much the whole thing being corrupted. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, that was one thing I've read. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to say it's 100% correct, but I'm pretty, like, what I've, when no. I was over there 10 years ago, I was reading up about it and that's what I came to the conclusion of. And what I was actually amazed about when I was in Sicily, I don't know if you asked around, is the mafia. And, uh, and if and if it still exists, and sure it does, it absolutely still exists. When I was in Syracuse, there was an Irish bar overlooking the water and it looked like the most beautiful bar in Syracuse, on Ortesia, on the little island. And I asked, I went to a, a, a gym there, right, and I asked Pepe, the gym owner, I'm like, what's the go with that bar and why? And we noticed, well, I was there for a month before I asked this question, I go, 24 hours a day, there is police parked out the front, right? Carabinieri, the police, and the Guardia di Finanzia, okay? And he said, they were expats. I think they were Irish. They come over, they built the bar. The mafia went there and demanded money for protection. If you don't pay three times, they threaten you with something. So they didn't pay three times. So they said, we're going to put a bomb in that thing. So they basically fled Sicily and the police have been camped, were camped out there in case anything suspicious was going on oh. inside it. And he said, and I said, how true is that? He goes, yeah, it's true. He goes, if you don't pay three times, he, and, and I said, what do you think of it? He says, he, he goes, I think it's the greatest thing going around. He goes, you idiots pay insurance companies and you get nothing. He goes, when you put an insurance claim in, it goes round and round in circles because we pay these guys. He goes, I had three young kids hanging out the front of my place, making my place look terrible, right? Littering, graffiti, everything. He called the guys he pays. He's never seen the kids again. 
He said the kids wouldn't have been beaten up, they wouldn't have been killed, they, they wouldn't have been, been told. They just would have been told, move on. And he goes, and that's the, mm. the speed that things get done. So he goes, he, he, he likes, he goes, he can't see the negatives and why people that are not from that culture think it's a negative. But he goes, mm. well, I think it's a, a positive. Look, we went to, as you know, we went to a lot of cities in uh, Sicily. We went to Tolmino. We went to, you know, we travelled around a little bit in Rome, um, you know, through cities. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was, you know, I hear people saying, oh, be careful of the gypsies, be careful of this, be careful. I didn't see any of that riffraff. I really... You can't but, take... But you've you know, got to just go out there and make your You know opinions. what, a lot of people said to me, you're the only one that says, oh, you know what, Calabria, uh, not Calabria, um, Catania, Catania, Catania. Fantastic. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Absolutely loved it, you know. Every, and we travelled from um, the railway station and, we, you know, I said to Maria, I said, look, it's only 1.3 kilometres. She goes, well, let's walk it, you know, because it's not really a taxi. We wanted to take us that 1.3 kilometres. Yep. And she goes, let's talk. So we, we, we took it and we walked it with our bags and oh, okay. every country that I went to, I felt safe. Yep. Um, I didn't see any of that gypsy. What we did... Um, come across, and a lot of people were telling us that they were very, very pro- prolific, was pickpockets. Be careful, be careful. Wherever there's tourists, there's a heap and heap and heap, and they've been very, very bad this year of pickpockets. Is that right? Do you know where a really bad sport was? When I was in Madrid, every single day I'd go back into the hostel, somebody had been pickpocketed. Really? And it was elaborate things. The most elaborate one I heard a girl ran up to a guy, like, it was just a single guy walking down the street. I think he's, he might be English, I think. He's walking down the street. A girl runs up in front of him, lifts her top, pulls down her pants. He's like, what the? He didn't know what was going on before he knew it. Some guy had come, come behind him, taken his wallet. Really? Yeah. He, he was in such shock. He's like, I don't know what's going He's like, what's going on here? He sees a naked girl in front of him and he's, yeah. and he's lost his, his wallet. His wallet's yeah. gone. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just the, the, the elaborate plans on, what, on how people pickpocket oh, you over there. You know, and it's so funny because I don't know anyone in Sydney that's been pickpocketed. Do you know anyone in Sydney that's been no, pickpocketed? No. It's just something that just doesn't happen here. I mean, I'm, I'm, sure, it oh, does, I don't, but, I'm sure it does happen. But not on the level that happens over there. Look, when we were going and we were, like I said, we were taking day tours every day and every day the guide would turn around and say, Beware. Beware, there's been a, a, an influx of pickpockets, an influx of pickpockets, yes. an influx of pickpockets. Eight. And I'll tell you what else today, when we were in um, um, Greece, Mykonos, because you can do the old donkey trail. I actually wanted to do the donkey trail and get on the donkey and go up and all that. We were advised on several occasions not to do the donkey trail because they treat them donkeys very, very badly. And not only do they treat them donkeys very badly because that's their job or what they've got to do, they underfeed them, they underwater them, and they whip them. And they said a donkey's got one mission. That's to get up them stairs and to get down them stairs. If you're in that donkey's way, the donkey won't move. It will knock you over. Really? It will knock you over. And when we were on top... So did you do it? No. No, we caught the cable cars. They got cable cars, which is not... But when we were up top... Down the bottom, you couldn't smell the stench. But when you got to the top and you walked across to see where these donkeys are coming, you could smell the stench. 
Since oh, you bought the donkeys. Yeah, yeah, because they're shitting and pissing and all that. And, what the, and you know, the tourist guide was saying, you don't want to go to one of our hospitals. That's the last thing that you want to do is go to one of our hospitals. Is that right? Yeah. In, in Greece? In Greece, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So uh, overall, the trip was? Amazing. Amazing, really. Amazing. Really. Amazing. Europe was more than what you expected? It was, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, back to Europe again? Yeah, look, I'm hoping to go next year. Next year? Well, you know, if, if the tax man gets off me back, oh, I hope they're listening, the tax man get again. off me back. <laughs> the tax man again. <laughs> the tax man again. If I can save enough money, um, yeah. Do you I, want to talk about how much you spent on the trip? Or you no, I don't want to. No, no, no. You know what? <laughs> I'll tell you this. We spent a lot of money. Yep. Okay? But. But I do not regret one cent. Perfect. And that's the main thing. If don't you, regret. If, you, if you've come back and been like, I didn't spend that $1,000 because I, did, I didn't want to, but I really regret not going to there. You've, well, you've in this case, you know, how I, you know how I keep on saying, a thousand, you know, it's a thousand dollars doing a good holiday and a bad holiday. <laughs> yes. Well, let me tell you, in this case, it wasn't. It was ten thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> for a good holiday or a bad holiday. No, I don't regret. I don't regret. That's fantastic. You know, you know what? As I keep on saying to you guys and everybody else that wants to listen to me, a thousand dollars is a, is between a good holidays and a bad holiday. Yeah. The other thing is too. You can always make more money, but you can't make more memories. Exactly. Can you understand now why I travel so much? You've said a lot of times, why do you need to travel so much? You said before. Yeah. before. I, I, look, it's an eye-opener. It's an education. and It's a big education. And I think that you need to look outside your own little square and have a look in somebody's backyard mm-hmm. to appreciate what you've actually got at home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Shall we finish on that note? I do. I think, I, think that's, so. I think that's a good note to finish to finish the podcast on. What are you saying that I've been talking too much? No, we've been yeah. going for an hour ten. Oh, so okay. we've been going for a fair while. No. But well, think, is there anything else you want to know about the? Um, I think. Well, you want to know about Adelaide? I actually come back from our crew. <laughs> no, we don't need to talk about. Adelaide. You don't want to talk about Adelaide? No, I think we've talked. I think we've talked enough today. Do you think so? I think so. Okay. Think so. so, is there anything else you want to know? No. Oh, I just wanted to ask you about the way you got brought up and then... Well, you didn't really ask me a lot about my um, trip. You sort of skipped over a lot of it, but anyway, that's okay. Because you're talking... Maybe your, your listeners want to hear more. Listen, I'm going to put it out there. If you want to hear more about this trip... Contact, you, contact um, the grumpy handyman on Instagram. Don't contact the, no contact Anthony, and we'll do another podcast on the more in yeah. depth on the on, on the trip. But we do, you can't you can't talk about every little city you go to and every little oh yes well you know what well, yeah, yeah. for I the had people a, that I had haven't a fantastic been... bowl of pasta in the shores of oh I can't believe <laughs> you're talking about a bo- I can't believe how much the Italians eat they are just over the top. Of course. No, I just are. Over. Oh, and the other thing that really surprised me that everybody tells me, which I didn't believe. The whole city shuts down at lunchtime. Dad, you know this siesta. 
Yo, I remember no, 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 no. Yeah, oh, they used to shut down at lunchtime. <laughs> Everything, I couldn't believe it. You could, shuts down. When I rocked up to Palermo that first time, I rocked up on a Sunday at two o'clock in the oh, afternoon. Oh, forget it, mate. Palermo, you wouldn't even. Palermo is. Do you know people say? That's it's city. not Palermo. It's Palermo. Whatever it is, they go. You know when they say, "Oh, that city is electric." I can feel the energy. They say it about like fucking Delhi, or they say it oh. about you know. It's, but when I got to Palermo, it's the first time I actually realised like, that I know what people were meant by when they said that, right? But when I first got there, the first time I got there, I, I, everyone told me how busy Palermo was. Get there 2 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. I could have walked naked down the main street. I was like, this is crazy. Where is everyone? This is a ghost town. Am I in the, am I in the, dead, the dead end of the town or whatever? Went to my hostel, came back out at 5 o'clock, they close the street off. Thousands and thousands of people walking. It's their Sunday afternoon walk. Monday morning came. I went to the same street. There were thousands of cars. It was like George Street, no, 5 o'clock in the really? afternoon. It was crazy. Then I was like, Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock, or even Monday afternoon, 2 o'clock, tumbleweeds going down the road. Really? Dead quiet. Couldn't believe it. I, I found, uh, you know what I found like that? Rome. Yeah. Not not dead quiet uh, of, of, of a lunch period, yeah. but at night you just could not move. And the other, I'll tell you where else was. It was Geraldine Knox, Jardina Knox's. Yeah. Um, come 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, the road used to get closed. And I found that quite strange the first time I saw it. Really? They actually closed... The whole road down. And I'm going to Maria, why would they be closing the road down? Yep. We had, we had uh, dinner at the restaurant there, was overlooking it. By the time we left, you couldn't move on that street. It really? was just thousands and thousands of And I'm talking not at 8 o'clock. I'm talking about people coming out at 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Yeah, they love it. They love it. Yeah, yeah it's true. It, that, it's funny because an Asian mate of mine that I work with he goes, how did you find it? And he goes, how did you find the culture and all that siesta bit and all that? And I told him, I said, it's very strange. I said, because you, you, you'd be flat out trying to get a glass of water between the hours of maybe 1 o'clock and 4.30, and then the whole city becomes alive. And he goes, you know what? He's Asian. Uh, I think his parents are from China or something. He goes, my, my relatives come out from China, and 9.30 at 10 o'clock at night, they want to go out. And he goes, where do you want to go? Mm. He says, we want to go shopping. We want to go shoe shopping. We want to go dress shopping. And he goes, you're kidding. He says, there'd be nothing. After five o'clock, there's nothing here opened. Mm. It's closed down. They can't believe that a Sydney like Sydney yeah, closes down. Uh, yeah, they, they can't. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. they just can't believe it. Yeah. Get back to Palermo. I've got a funny story about Palermo. Palermo. Whatever. Bloody Aussies. Sad income. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. So there's a street. There's a street. So I was there with... Marnie for a little while, and she left. And then the, the guy, another another guy that was on our Italian course, who I ended up flat sharing with in Syracuse. He actually went to Palermo to Palermo to Palermo Palermo. <laughs> to, to, he actually went there to do further studies on Italian. Right? Oh, okay. And I was travelling around, so I dropped past there to uh, check out the city and whatever. And um, one night he goes, "Oh, let's go. There's this, there's this one main street there." And it's where all the bars are, just littered with bars each side of the street. It's where all the uni students go. So, okay, let's go down there. So we went down there and we, we, were drink, we had a few drinks down there. We meet a few Italian guys. One of them had a shaved head. Didn't think much of it. 
big big dude, like big solid guy, me and his mate, and we're drinking with them, having a good time, and he's like, hey, I know another bar we should go to. And uh, we we're just like, yeah, let's go. So we go to his car. Well, like, where's his bar? Like, oh, yeah, we've got to drive. It's down by the port. We've got to drive there. We've got to drive there. So this guy that I was flashing with, Daniel, he's, he's actually Jewish, right? So we get in the car. He locks the door. The guy locks all the doors. We're like, what the fuck's going on here? We look around the car. There's all these Nazi signs around the car. The guy was a skinhead. Oh, really? The guy was a dead set skinhead. And we're like. Oh, because he was Jewish. And then Daniel's like, I'm fucking. He's whispering to me, I'm fucking Jewish. We're in this car. So he he pulls a knife out of his pocket. Does he really? I'm like, fucking put that away. What are you doing? Oh, your mate pulls it. Yes. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, doors are locked. We're in the car with a fucking, I'm Jewish, we're in the car with a Nazi. What the hell is going on? So I'm like, chill out, let's just see where we go. Take it from there. We went to this port, went to this weird restaurant, Dad, and it was like a mafia restaurant. It was like, and then he went, he goes, stay here, get a drink from the bar. We had a drink from the bar. He goes and talks to these guys around a table for like 10, 15 minutes. Then he comes back to us and goes, okay, we can go now, finish your drinks. Like, what? We're like, this is bizarre, right? Get in the car. He goes, where are we going now? We want to go back to drove, drove us back. No, no, we're going to go to this other bar I told you about. Went to the bar, this other bar. It's a karaoke bar. This guy gets up and starts singing Come Fly With Me by fucking, what's his name? Why, uh, what's his name? He sings Come Fly With Me? No. Do you know the song? <laughs> he starts singing, uh, who, who sings it? I don't know. Do you know the song I'm talking about? No. Come fly with me. Oh, come yeah, fly, yeah, come yeah, fly. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, starts, he gets on stage and starts singing this. We're like, this is the most bizarre. This big fucking skinhead singing this song. Finishes the song, goes, okay, I'll drop you guys back now. Dropped us back to the same street we originally come from. That was, that was it. We were just like, what happened? We had, that, we, had, we had to sit down and have a beer and be like, what just fucking happened? happened? What happened in the last hour and a half of our lives? <laughs> Which is like that is just oh, imagine. Well, for a while there, we weren't uh, too sure of it. So that's 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 my travel story, Paul. Jesus. <laughs> well, I can tell you a funny story that happened to Maria in England. Shit. Will Maria, hang on. Will Maria approve of this? Yeah, of course she will. <laughs> we, we we actually went for a walk in London and. Um, yeah, we saw that the day before, which was a waste of, you know, that's a big wank, a waste, you know, changing of the guards. It's like <laughs> 10 hours of your life gone. I refuse you know? to go. Well, look, you've got to go and see it. But anyway, the next day we're just having a, having a walk around London and all that and they had the changing of the horse guards, didn't they? But the, 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 that, that's pretty good. That's pretty quick. They changed like the um, the horses get changed and the riders get changed and all that. And they've got to stand in these certain spots, which is pretty cool because you can go and pat the, the horses and all that like you see on TV, but you can't touch the guards. And there's this uh, one guard, he's at the uh, sentry house, um, and he's standing there, standing guard. And, you know, obviously I've seen what happens on TV with Chevy Chase. He goes up and tickles someone's under the uh, nose and all that sort of bullshit. And I said to him, I said, go get a, uh, a picture with that guard. Hmm. And so she went over and she was a fair bit away from the guard. And I said, no, 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 go closer. She goes, this is close. I said, no, 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 go closer. And she goes, no, no, this is far enough. I said, no, 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 go a little bit closer. 
She goes, no, this is far. I said, no, go up beside him. <laughs> okay, we get the idea. <laughs> and all of a sudden, as she got closer to the guard, the guard gets his rifle, clicks his feet together, gets his rifle, slams it on the floor and goes, stand clear. Jesus. <laughs> stand clear. And everybody, everybody that was actually watching the parade and all, yeah. it just stopped. Really? To find out what was going on. She got too close. Yeah, 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 she got too close. And then everybody just burst out laughing and Marie just walked out and, with her head in shame. And, <laughs> <laughs> and she's going, that's your bloody fault. That's your, I'm never going to listen to you again. That's your fault. You better, I mean, these these what make these trips funny. Of course. And mm. I, I like how you're getting your travel trips from Chevy Chase. <laughs> I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you, I watched, um, what is it, European Vacation with National Chevy. Lampoons. Yeah, National yeah. Lampoons and all that. I went to St. Mark's Square. I went to um, St. Peter's Square. Um, I went to uh, 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 the Fountain of Trevi. I've got to tell you, I didn't say no fucking pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> You know how you see the pigeons in all these movies? Yeah. There's no pigeons. That was back in the 80s. Maybe there was no pigeons. Let me tell you, there was no pigeons in any of these places. No pigeons. You see how Chevy Chase, you know, drives around the uh, fountain, the fountain of Trevis and that? Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't happen, mate. It's not in a circle. It just doesn't happen. Did he drive around the Arc de Triomphe in Paris? Wasn't that the one he drove around? Oh, I don't know. What, no, yeah, I thought he drove around in the St. Trevi as well. Oh, yeah, I don't know. No, okay, I don't okay. know. It's been so long since I don't I know. I don't know. But anyway. All right. Thanks for doing the pod, Dad. That's all right, man. No worries. What did you think of the second second edition? Well, I'd like to hear it on the... I, I liked, I've got to admit, I did, did have a laugh and then I did enjoy the first one. Did you? Yeah, I did. I did. I like Brewers as well. Brewers is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. So that was the episode. Thought it was pretty interesting. I didn't know that much about my old man. I hope it encourages people to go out there and sit down with their parents and speak to their parents for, you know, an hour or two and just see where they come from. And I know I spoke to my dad a fair bit, but I didn't know half the shit he told me on this episode. So thanks for listening. I hope you can take something away from it. And until next fortnight, uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>